Brian Burke. And my name is Steve Rao, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Home, the guitar, buying, styling, training, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. We're back. Here we are. We're back. Another Monday morning or whatever day you're listening to this. Uh, it feels so good to be back on the microphone. Oh, it's so nice to have the headphones <laughs> on my ears. Don't you love wearing headphones? It's it feels so good to have have my voice filling both my holes. Well, <laughs> my right. my ear holes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, should we just jump into it? Yes. Okay, let's talk about what's new. Is that I got a Electroharmonics pitchfork pedal. I've been thinking about getting one for quite a while. And uh, I wanted to use one for the uh, for the bellwether demo, right? To run it in the effects Put loop in the there. Effects loop. Uh, so I decided to pull the trigger earlier in the week. I was looking around on Reverb, and it's like, okay, some of these are like 150, some of these are like 135. I really just want to get like the best deal. I couldn't see any other than under 135, but I know that they've sold for under that in the past. And so I f- I. Organized it by age of the ads, and I picked the one that was the cheapest and the oldest, and it had been up for like nine months or eight months. And I wrote the guy. I made an offer of one twenty-five, but I wrote in the comments, "I will accept the offer, your counter offer, as long as it's the cheapest price on Reverb." And the guy came back with one thirty-four, and I accepted it. Oh my god! And so. Because he obliged my simple request, I'm just going to give a shout out to Zeke's Pedal Boutique. He runs a shop on Reverb. I think he's a physical store, maybe, in based out of New York. Right. Uh, if you see him on Reverb, he's a nice guy to buy from. We had a little chat back and forth. He, we actually had an interesting chat in that uh, this is the second time this has happened to me. Someone... Ha- after talking to me over email or messaging on a on a website has been like have you ever lived on the east coast like just a random question right and i was like i know where you're going with this <laughs> you had a friend named ryan burke who moved away and you miss him and the guy's like that's exactly what's going on like and i'm a, i was like i'm not him sorry never lived on the east coast but Ryan Burke from the East Coast. There are people out there who miss you. Please contact your friends. They wonder where you are. They want to know if you're safe. They think that I'm you. I've never been there, so it's not me. Do you get mistaken for other Ryan Burks frequently? I don't think so. I tried to start a Facebook group just for Ryan Burks. I remember that. But I, I friend, you have to have another person to start a group, and so I had to friend request a, a random Ryan Burke. And it took him like two years to reply. And then when I started the group, like I had lost interest. So it's still out there somewhere. If you're a Ryan Burke like me, then you can look up the group and join it. Right. <laughs> um, so anyways, back to the pitchfork. This thing is a beast. Yeah. I posted a really quick uh like run through of it or just me noodling around with it on YouTube. So you can go look that up. Uh, for being a normal size pedal, like a single size pedal, mm-hmm. it is packed with features. Like just packed to the gills. Uh, it has two knobs on it. One is for the blend, and one is like a selector for all your different settings, which basically gives you a similar 
uh, amount of settings as a Digitech Whammy. Right. Because that's what it is. It's a pitch shifting uh, pedal. And then it has a, like a three-way switch. One position on it is for pitch shifting higher, and one position is for pitch shifting lower, and then the middle does both at the same time. Right. So you can get like kind of like a blend like you would on a, uh, on a POG, but it's like you can't control the levels on the higher or the low. They're just 50-50 with each other. Sure. Um, and then, but I mean, for a single like a single space pedal, like yeah, you you probably can't cram, you know, uh, a variation like a volume variation into sure. that circuit. They with- probably could, but who? It's going to be a lot more expensive. But like, who's like? Do you really need that much adjustment over that mix? Like, it's, the mix sounds really good as it is, right? Um, and then there's a push button. That is for latching because the foot switch is a momentary switch. And so you can either have it so that when you step on the switch, the pedal stays on. Or you can have it be a momentary switch where you can momentarily engage the effect. And when you momentarily engage the effect, it has a built-in ramp up to your pitch at 60 milliseconds. So it sounds like you're ramping a Digitech whammy really quick with the foot pedal. So if you tap this thing fluttery really quick, you get this like wow 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 like it's like (laughs) it's like ramping up to that pitch really quick and it's a really neat effect i'm having a blast with this thing and still there's one more feature tell me more ryan it has an expression pedal jack oh that's right which makes it functionally the same as a digitech whammy right and not just that like the thing i was just talking about with the momentary switch you can use an expression pedal to modulate the time that it takes to ramp. And so you, I was reading in the uh, the manual, it could either ramp as fast as four milliseconds, which is imperceivable. Right. That's immediate. Or it could ramp as slow as two seconds, which in music is like That's a lifetime. Long. Yeah. That's a long ramp. So I need to plug an expression pedal into this thing to mess around with it. Uh, I feel like two seconds is like... I mean, I don't know. I could, I could see some features um, of it, like working out. Right. Like it's, it's just a really great creative device. Like I can, I'm already having a ton of fun with it at home. I can't wait to get it into a practice or a show scenario with a band. It's just a blast. I, what I really like doing with pitch shifting is putting it on the first octave setting and like dialing back the blend a little bit. And the blend is awesome too because you don't get that like on a whammy. You don't get a blend knob on a whammy. It's just straight effect. Uh, So it's really neat to be able to blend it back and get some more subtle sounds. You can get some like organ-like sounds. Like I don't, with this thing, I don't regret selling the B9 at all. Like because it really gets you there. It's got a detune setting which is basically like a chorus effect. Right. So it's like I've got a chorus on my board available now too. I'm just having a blast with this thing. 134 bucks, sh- free shipping included. I can't argue. Steve is texting back and forth with Phil right now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. There's some sort of drama going on on the group. Oh, drama. Uh, it's all because of Kyle. Thanks, Kyle Smith. Thanks for the drama, Kyle Smith. This is this 
the drama is a week and a half old now. Yeah. So you guys... No one will know what we're talking about. No one will know what we're talking about. Everyone in the Facebook group would be like, wait, what? Yeah. Kyle Smith really starting up the drama. Yeah. Every joke that you've ever heard about Chuck Norris is also about Kyle, apparently. Plus some musically related ones. Like, apparently, when you uh, turn off the lights and go in the bathroom and stare in the mirror... And say Kyle Smith three times and then turn the lights back on. James Duke is in the bathroom with you. Oh, my gosh. And then, uh, so what you have to do is you have to get James Duke to say his own name into the mirror three times with the lights off. And then (laughs) James Duke gets transported to wherever Kyle Smith is. But you're still in the bathroom. (laughs) You're left in the bathroom all by yourself. It's, I don't. I don't get it, but I guess that's how it works. Oh my gosh! Also, that's every Taylor Swift album has been written about Kyle Smith. Well, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys! I'm going to go to airplane mode. This is ridiculous. I'm getting. What, can you? Does your phone not have like a silent? It does, but it buzzes. It's oh, buzzing okay. the my whole phone, couch. My phone doesn't buzz in silent. Okay, well your phone's old and busted. No, my I turned that off. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, let's, let's podcast. Let's stop talking to Phil. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm multitasking here. I'm also drinking not, a beer. You're not doing it well, though. You got real quiet for a while. You were telling your story about the pitchfork. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> but it's it's really neat. It goes down to three octaves or up to three octaves. I want to... Have you messed with the three octave mode? Yeah. It's like... I can't heard, hear the low octave, but the, the high octave is like beyond chipmunk territory. I would want to hear just low octave only... Uh-huh. So can you hear the? So can you hear if you do? Have you done low octave only? It's like that? there, but it's like through the little Princeton amp. Like, right. like if we plug it into the bass amp at church, you're gonna hear it. Yeah. Well, even then, like once you go drop down to the low E, like you might not hear yeah. it. Which is what I would want to mess with is put it on yeah. the bass. Then it tracks chords beautifully, like way better than a, a a whammy pedal. Oh yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get glitchy at all. If you like the glitchiness, and don't get this, but it do, it doesn't glitch at all. Uh, it's, I'm just having a blast off with this thing. I'm so happy that I bought it. It's probably one of these pedals I'm going to keep around forever because you're always going to need it at random times as some sort of pitch thing. Um, other than that, do you have anything new? I don't. Just I, same old, I, same I old, I thought huh? I had something new, but then... Uh, oh, you know what? We can do an update. Update me. Gear Supply Company. Uh-huh. Acoustic Strings. Oh, how do you like them? Um, I usually play elixirs on my acoustic guitar. Uh huh. But I rem- a, a while ago you accidentally bought some Dean Markley acoustic strings. Uh huh. Because uh, I didn't actually. They sent you the wrong ones. Yeah, I didn't accidentally buy them. They sent me ten packs of them accidentally. Who was I, that? Uh, oh, hello music. Hello music. Yeah. So I've got a few packs of those, and so I threw had those on my acoustic guitar, and they suck. Yeah, they're not great. So. I usually play elixirs, which have a little bit... They're a mellower string. They are um, just very, like, comfortable. They To me, the elixir nanowebs feel broken in when you throw them on. Yeah. the A little warm. The Gear Supply Company strings are a phosphor bronze. Bron- Why did I say bronze? Browns. They're phosphor bronze. Um, they are... Uh, uh, I don't know what the cost of them are. So I, I can't compare them to any other strings about price point. But what I can tell you is that uh, they are definitely worth checking out. You like uh, them? I love these strings. Wow. These are, um, they're very bright and punchy, but I, I've used them for three weeks. I don't feel like 
I've really lost anything in those three weeks, and I play pretty freaking hard. And these strings, I, I'm getting used to the fact that they're 12s because I normally don't play 12s. I usually play 10s or 11s uh-huh. on acoustic. So that aspect of them is a little weird. But like these strings make me want to keep playing. Like they don't make me want to like stop because I'm like, okay, I did my acoustic guitar thing. Like, right, you don't okay, feel I'm fatigued. Done. Like after I play my set, I'm like, can I just keep playing? Like you give, like you give your little sermon, uh-huh. youth, <laughs> youth director, pastor, person, do your cute I'm little gonna, sermon. Do, I'm, I'm just stand, gonna play. I just want to. You need some musical backing for that because like, I can do some diddly dees over here in the corner with my acoustic guitar. And and throw something. Around. They're they're just really like I don't know what it is, but like something about these strings are really like resonating with me and resonating with my style of playing. Uh huh. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say that they're the best acoustic strings out there because I haven't played all the acoustic well, strings. Well, you there. know, like we you know, like we say, there's no best in this. Sure. It's all but, subjective. But I'm really digging these strings. I feel like my guitar uh, sounds really good. I feel like these strings play really well uh-huh um and I, i'm just really enjoying them nice so definitely i think if you're a frequent acoustic guitar player it's worth looking into them again i don't know what the subscription cost is on them i uh, imagine I it's it pretty close to your standard kind of acoustic string price uh, well i mean the electric strings i think were like what eight bucks a month yeah but that's that's normal is that normal i don't know yeah i dude i usually buy the three dollar strings right so but are you in love with the three dollar strings for electric i don't it doesn't i don't really care i think acoustic is definitely in the neighborhood of instruments where it does pay to restring regularly well my guitar lives in a case and i don't sweat so (laughs) steve has a condition well i mean like i'm i don't i don't i've never been a person like even when i was playing guitar for like an hour a day uh-huh. I was only wearing through strings like once every yeah. four, four to six months. I sweat like a beast because I don't like I don't have like that acidic, like salty sweat. Like when my hands do get sweaty, it's still pretty watery. So as long as I like wipe down afterwards, like I'm I'm fine. I don't corrode through instruments. Huh? Like I have guitars that I clean, even if I play them all the time. I'm only cleaning finger grease out of the off the fretboard like once every five years yeah. when when i had times in my life when i was playing acoustic regularly i i would dead i would kill strings in like two weeks like i would make them dead yeah so i was buying the cheap strings just to keep them fresh and like constantly swapping strings to keep them fresh uh i think it makes a bigger difference on acoustic than electric like electric you'll start to lose that high end but you can dial it back in with right. with your pedals or something like that. Yeah. Uh, with acoustic, you you definitely notice it. You don't have that as much. You don't have the option. To, you lose to really your do it. you lose your jangle is what you lose. Yeah. But I, but I'm real. Like I said, I'm really. It's not just the sound. Like they, they sound like nice. new strings. They just something about the way they feel like just really works. And I I dig in pretty hard as an acoustic player. Uh huh. Um. So they. I've only used them three times, but they feel really solid. Um, I mean, I've used them, I say three times, but like I'm talking about like maybe I've probably got like close to 10 hours on them, I guess, which is for three sessions isn't bad. Gear Supply is getting some pretty good mileage off that one sponsorship they bought. Yeah, well, I mean, we're stretching it out. (laughs) Yeah, they bought a sponsorship and they sent us strings and now we talk about it every week. (laughs) So guys, uh, you know, if you're on the fence... Go buy them, I guess. 
I have not had a single problem with any gear supply strings so far. I put them on that Telecaster. They feel, oh, yeah. they feel great on the Telecaster. I'm about to put them on, uh, on my Hallmark because <laughs> I just broke a string the other night. Uh oh. Yeah. I did it last song, though, so it's okay. And that's a song where I go crazy with noise stuff, so it didn't matter. Um, let's, uh, let's get into ads then. Are you ready for ads? Let's are you talking do some to, ads. Or are you talking to Phil? No, I'm not talking to Phil. <laughs> let me let me pull up uh, my Google Drive. Oh, here we go. M I J. When is Google Drive going to sponsor us? Is what I want to oh know. Oh my gosh, M I J Telecaster. You sent me a. Uh, well, you tagged me in the in the Facebook group. Yeah, do you remember who posted this originally? I don't. Uh, you tagged me to get screenshots of this because you wanted me to. I have not read anything about it, so this is new to me. You talk about it. I'll try to figure out who posted it. Oh, I was gonna do. I was just got, dude. You're the, the one Facebook who knows group. things about it. You talk That's about true. it. That's true. All right. This is a vintage 1970s question mark Telecaster like guitar. Uh, thin line relic, two hundred fifty dollars in Lomita, which I believe is part of Los Angeles. Maybe. Some, so, th- this is a really cool looking three tone sunburst Telecaster style guitar. Uh, way too many screws on the pickguard for it to be a, a legit Fender. Um, it's got a three way switch that's not a blade switch. Travis Goodman. Oh, Travis Goodman. That makes sense. He lives Th- up in Orange County, I think. Thanks, Travis. We drank his beer that one time we were at Tyax. That's true. All right. So, the reason he posted this was because of the description. Some guy I bought this from said this was marketed in Japan by Fender. I don't know if that's true, because some of the parts look unusual. Volume and tone knobs are not original. Electronics don't work much. I don't know if it's the pots or the pickups or the wiring, but for some reason, it's not really working. Some guy named Jahani, it's J-O-capital-H-N-N-Y, says... It's definitely got a lot of mojo. I was going to restore it because I think it's a really bitching guitar, but I haven't had the time and now I need money. So I'm going to sell it. $250. I'm not trying to say it's a Fender and I sincerely don't give a rat's ass what it is. So save your breath if you're planning to tell me that it's not a Fender. Whatever. Wh- or whatever it is, it's a cool... It, it It's... This is such a poorly constructed sentence. <laughs> whatever it is, It's cool. Breaking news, so I, I think this ad has been up for a while. Breaking news, somebody by the name of Kim just sent me a message saying that they're pretty sure it's an Orlando made by Ibanez because Kim has one. That sounds totally... I just scrolled to a different ad. <laughs> that sounds totally believable to me. In case you in case you care or are perhaps looking for an Orlando thin line or whatever, this telelight guitar is called Kim. Anyone else who has any helpful information they want to share, I'll pass it on and edit it into this ad. Oh, thanks, Kim. Yeah. So, Kim and Johnny are the two random contributors to this ad. Uh, it looks like a cool old Japanese take on a Telecaster. Yeah. Uh, is this Japanese? I think so. Yeah, it looks uh, Japanese. The pick- I really think so. The bridge pickup is a... Telecaster style with the um, it's like it's got a Telecaster neck pickup in both the neck and bridge positions. Uh-huh. I think the neck position is a little further away from the uh, neck heel than it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's a little it off. It is mounted to the pick guard via three screws uh-huh. uh, which is a little weird. Um, there are, we, we didn't 
post it in this picture Ryan screenshot, which is fine. But the tuners are a little weird. The string trees, actually, there's only three strings on this guitar, but the string trees look a little weird. Um, but this is a sunburst guitar. It is a thin line. It looks great. It looks pretty. I really like the the dark neck. Yeah, I feel like because he says like, oh, the electronics are kind of not working or barely working. Uh huh. I don't feel like this is worth. $250. Nope. Um, I mean, I haven't looked up in Orlando, but uh, if it was made by Ibanez, it's probably a great playing guitar. It might have some kind of collector's value. Uh, but I wouldn't... I would be hesitant around 250 if it's not working. There could be anything wrong from the output jack to a knob to the pickups completely failing on uh on a japanese guitar yeah so it, it says the knobs have been replaced which wouldn't surprise me different things getting replaced um, right not a super big deal um i i think 175 is the most i would pay for this uh definitely not 250 and that would be like maybe 175 if i knew it was completely working or if i knew that I absolutely could fix it. Right, right. And I, when I say absolutely could fix it, I mean... Without with, replacing with minimum pickups. investment. Yeah. yeah so like, if I had to swap pots, that's 10 bucks. Not a big deal. Swap a switch, that's no big deal. Um, yeah. Unless I did some sort of research and found out that this is a desirable guitar, which obviously it probably isn't since this guy's had two different people tell him different things and they haven't told him that it's desirable... So, yeah, I th I think the 175 sounds sounds decent. Like I just bought a Fender Telecaster for 125. Yeah. So, but that's a freak deal. That's dude. a freak deal. But still, you can get that guitar for 350 yeah. to 275. And this guitar has mojo. Johnny said so. It does. It does have some mojo. Uh, this is a sort of thing where if you picked it up and you instantly connected with it, then you would pay that. In a in a shop, but you're not going to ra randomly take that risk on a Craigslist deal. At least most people aren't. Someone might see that and be like, "Yeah, that's it. That's the one for me." But I'm I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Well, you're not a Telecaster guy. That's true too. I think. But I do like Japanese guitars. Yeah. This does hit a cross section of both guys who want weird Japanese guitars. Uh huh. So this isn't super weird, and guys who want Telecasters. Yeah. Um. I just I don't know, man. It, it's like I said. I like I like this guitar. I like the idea of this guitar. I don't two hundred fifty dollars like it. If it was with if it was a hundred percent working, maybe one seventy five, and the condition it's in, I, I even at two fifty, I think I would offer the guy one fifty and see what happened. Yeah, totally. If I but only as a keeper. Right. I would not buy this. This is not a thing to be able to flip it. This is not a flipper. Because it's yeah. not a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty bad. Yeah. Dude. Flip. Well, okay. I'm not going to try to save it. That's a that's a bad joke that yeah. I did. All right. Let's move you, on to the next ad. <laughs> Google Drive literally just restarted on me. <laughs> that's why they don't sponsor us because their pro, their app is broken hey steve i have a question for you yes uh do you rock i want to rock uh do you like to rock um sometimes i rock 
Bro, do you have a pet rock? I am was not born in the 70s, so okay. I do not have a pet rock. Have you been living under a rock? Possibly. Are you a rock? Is there a difference between rocks and robots? Yes. Then no, I'm not a rock. Mm. Okay. Well, this is an advertisement for an orange OR-15 head. Bro, do you even rock is the title? I like how you threw in the dash there. Uh Uh-huh. Well, is is that normal? Well, it doesn't have the dash on the amp, does it? It just says OR-15. Uh... If you answered yes to any of the above questions, then you need this amp. No pet rock collection or a homemade under a rock is complete without it. I'm pretty sure the R in OR15 stands for rocks. The O probably stands for orange because that's so original. This amp is tons of fun, and the FX loop works and sounds great. Unlike the FX loop on cough, a Dr. Z Maz 18-38 or slash 38 cough. Do you like a do you like gain? This amp has gain. Take it with you to the gym and watch your workout gains go off the charts. Do you like clean? You should probably buy a Fender Twin. This amp does cleanish. Roll back on the guitar volume and it'll clean up about as much as a child cleans up his or her uh, room. But as... Oh, buy it as a present for your favorite pet rock that lives under a rock then keep it for yourself. Uh, so some creative, uh, creative ad writing on this reverb ad yeah. for this. It's an orange 15. Uh, orange is like a British circuit, right? Kind of sounds it is. like a voxy sort of I gritty midi range chimey. So I can't speak for this, the OR15 and the sounds it makes specifically, but orange is like the classic Sabbath sound. Interesting. Silence. Yeah, I got confused by the time for a second. Oh, uh, it, yeah. So anyway, um, I looked at. So they're asking, uh, I think four ninety nine for this, uh-huh. four, four twenty five plus shipping, so four seventy five. I actually do not know anything about orange amps. Uh, this is an okay price. It's not like a steal, but uh-huh. it's not a bad price. This is pretty like run in the mill for this amp. Um, I'm. It's probably great. I know a lot of people have been loving the Tiny Terror series, uh-huh. which is like the probably the series below this. And the the amp that I've actually been seeing Orange get a lot of of uh, I say press, but really what I mean is like is people talking about it. Uh huh. Is real people? Real people. Is the Micro Terror? Yeah. Which is their little like twenty watt hybrid amp. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think it's a tube preamp and a solid state power amp. Uh, and it's like so it's it's kind of like the Vox valve state stuff or Vo- not Vox uh, Marshall valve state stuff from back in the day, um, but you know or like I said, Orange is a very uh, it, it's kind of a specific sound. A lot of guys like them for like because they break up early. Definitely, you know I hear people all the time say like they don't clean up at all, right? Or if they do clean up, like they clean up in a way that. Um, is very specific that you really have to like work to dial in. So it's a it's it's its own sound. It's a specific thing. You get this not to be in every amp. You get this to be a specific amp. Yeah. Well, the guy the guy sounds really enthusiastic about it. the the uh, The copy on the ad is really what what drew us to this thing. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know if the price is fair or not. It seems fair. That seems like a fair price for 
a uh, a working amp, mm-hmm. a working tube amp, four hundred twenty five bucks for fifty bucks shipping. Is that how much it costs to ship an amp head? I have no idea. That might just be covering all the bases. I guess yeah. maybe if you overpack one. I think I shipped my Hot Rod Deluxe like ten years ago for for like forty bucks, and that's a full on combo. Uh huh. Um, but you know, I, I so I I don't know if that's fair shipping. Well, I don't have anything else to say about this. Should we I move on? I like. I actually thought this was like a pretty good write up. It was funny. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, yeah, that's then, a that's a good example. But of, then I I have to wonder if the guy was like. Uh, was like trying to be hilarious or what? It's a good it's a good example of someone being silly without being stupid, you know. Because there's been some stupid ones that we've read. Like it was entertaining. I enjoyed reading it. Should we move on to the next ad? Yeah, let's move on to the next ad. I don't remember who sent this one or posted it, but it was a couple weeks ago, and it is ridiculous because it comes with a. A reply. Did I include the screen grab of the reply? I don't think so. Oh, shoot. That sucks. Because that's what I wanted to get. You know, let me pause. Oh, you know what? Here it is. I found it. It's the second. So the second one is the reply. I didn't realize that. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. There's a regards one. Okay. So let's read the first one. Crate amp, digital guitar type with manual, 150 bucks in Harrisonburg. So whoever lives in Harrisonburg, that's who sent it to us. Price is firm and no horny dudes. This is my daughter. It has a picture of a girl like leaning over the amp, like in the grass somewhere. Yeah. With It's very clear that the intention of the photo is that you can look down her shirt. Right. Uh, each of the three photos posted, you can look down her shirt. Like it's like she's straining so that you can see down her shirt, like right. see her cleavage. And it's like, so this guy posted this ad with pictures of his daughter, and he's like, "No horny dudes." Yeah, it's so like, he, what are you trying to accomplish with this ad here, buddy? So here is the reply, and this is this is interesting because this ha- used to happen a lot on our local Craigslist, and then it seemed like it just dried up. I think it was all just one dude where people used to reply to ads publicly and be like, regarding this ad, like, oh yeah, don't yeah. buy from this guy or this guy is a tool or like, why do you keep reposting this? We're all sick of it. I have seen a few of those lately, but I think. Now that Craigslist has broken into like owners and dealers, uh-huh. like an owner section and a dealer section for private sales versus right, right dealers. I don't know how many times I'm going to say dealers. People um, aren't so upset about the dealers anymore. Yeah, people just uh, don't. People just go on the private sale side, and and you just don't see it as much. Yeah. Um, Do you want to read the reply? <laughs> I guess. No horny, no horny dudes. This is my daughter. Seriously, why would you post a post bird's eye shots of your daughter's tits on the amp and pedal if you're not trying to attract horny dudes? Second, what the hell kind of desperate father are you to post pics of your daughter like that? Okay, on a serious note, you've had that amp listed on here for three years. We're getting tired of checking out your daughter's tube sock tits. Do us all a favor. And post some updated pics with her ass promoting the amp. Oh my gosh. Jeez Louise. I... <laughs> of course, this reply is over the top. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go... I'm just going to put myself out there and say that I'm not into body shaming. No. 
you know, I'm not going to I I I chuckled when I read the phrase tube sock tits. Yeah. But I'm not into like shaming people for their body, but this is the ad is completely ridiculous. Right. You can't I mean on it like this is you, what this picture kind of reminds me of is like the MySpace angle. Are uh-huh. you familiar with the MySpace angle? Yeah, yeah, where so people were, yeah, where girls would hold up the camera yeah, way the above camera their head. Way above your head because nobody looks bad from the MySpace angle. Like every in right. terms of like everyone looks thin from the from the MySpace. Well, it's because you're getting all forehead, you're getting big eyes, and then everything below that it's everything is really small. So it's like you've exaggerated your features to look like an anime character. Yeah. So and I, then and then below that is just if your girl is just cleavage. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know from that from that perspective, like you know this is. I'd say like this is a at least an average to above average looking girl. Yeah, she you knows she looks like a, she looks attractive. And I feel like maybe part of this guy's response is more like, okay, like we've been seeing this ad for three years. Yeah, knock it off. I'm just gonna be insulting now in hopes that like I can hurt this guy's feelings enough, right? That he stops posting this. Um, it's a little, it's a little extreme for. You know, a site that is free. Yeah, I never write it. Yeah, but it's it is also hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it is true. Like, why would you post? Yeah, like that's your daughter, dude. Why, why did you take those weird pictures? I already don't like the whole thing with like people taking pictures of women holding guitar amps and, yeah. and different things like that. I mean, if, if, a, if a woman is selling an amp in, or a guitar and she wants to do it that way, that's her decision. And if, you know, if she wants to pose for photos and do that, that's fine too. I guess that's her decision. But it feels gross. Yeah. It feels like this isn't why we're here. And it feels like this is Craigslist. You're going to be meeting with people yeah, when I'm, they I'm buy trying, your stuff, I'm trying to imagine the world where, like, a a, a someone in someone's daughter is like, "Oh, Dad, you really want to sell that amp fast? Let me take some pictures of it. Like, take some pictures of it with me, and like, I'll pull my V neck down extra low so you can like get some yeah. Dad, get some cleavage in there. That'll really help you sell your guitar, Dad. Your amp's not selling because you didn't make it sexy, Dad. Right, you right. gotta make your amp sexy, Look, Dad. The, the reality of this situation is, um, this is like a crate digital, like one of their attempts to make a digital uh, modeling amp. Yeah, um, you could have like insert famous celebrity of choice uh, holding this amp, and like no one's. No one cares. No one cares. Like you could, you, you have know, to give this thing away. If Taylor Swift was holding this amp, Kyle Smith would not buy it. Whoa! Boom! Shots fired. That's how undesirable this amp is. Well, maybe if she was holding it, it would be because Kyle Smith told her to buy it. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the amp is nothing, and the amp doesn't mean anything. This guy's been trying to sell it for three years because no one will buy it for three years. The whole objectification of, you know, women in Craigslist posts is ridiculous. It's one thing to do it in ads in a magazine. It's one thing to do it on eBay ads where you're shipping things and no one's ever going to meet you. Like, you are you just said that's your daughter. So people are like, oh, I'm... If there's some weirdo out there, he's going to be like, oh, I'm going to go say I'm going to buy that amp just so I can, like, 
find out where that girl lives. You know? I guess this feels really like a bad decision. Right. Bad decision. It's just, it's bizarre. I don't, I don't like that style of like, especially for private sales. I don't like it when like retailers do it, but at least like I kind of understand why they're doing it. At least there's a separation in between you and those people. Like you can't, you're not going to go to Guitar Center and uh, find out where the girl in the Dean ad lives. Right. The understanding is that like, oh, Dean did this or if Dean or Guitar Center or whoever is using women to sell their stuff, uh-huh. like at least I can say like, well, they that's a model. Right. When somebody on Craigslist does it, like... It feels like what the an heck? ad for an escort service. I've seen like... Um, I've seen like... Uh, some uh, small time builders use it, and and by small time builders, I mean like they're small enough where when I see it, I think, are those models uh-huh. or are those girls you went to high school with? Do you remember? Uh, did, did you ever see those videos for Freakish Blues? <sighs> no, I didn't. Okay, so quick history lesson: Freakish Blues is a pedal company that got in a lot of trouble. Because they uh, were basically taking Joyo pedals and then repainting them and putting new knobs on them. Right. And then selling them as like $250 pedals or something like that. But they had these video series where one of the guys from the company or someone that they found who was like a shredder is a big, big dude. Like like I said, I'm not into body shaming, but this guy's overweight. Right. Uh, in In a comical sort of way. Sitting in like a dirty recliner with a green screen behind him with like psychedelic colors playing all over the place like just jamming on these pedals just riffing noodling without stop just just every blues lick you could think Mm -hmm. of and the whole time there's like this girl who's just sitting there like looking so bored and so tired of this video shoot and they have her like in a bikini or something like that. Oh my god. And I always think about that when I think of these, you know, attempts to sell music equipment with uh with models basically, with pictures of of sexy ladies. It's a it's a really bizarre thing. And some and you know, th- to be fair though, some guys in the in the scene like it some you know some guys that buy gear like that yeah you know uh, but it it kind of alienates the rest of us yeah it's definitely something where you know we've had this conversation where we had meg on the podcast uh-huh we've had it between the two of us is you know we talk about um how there's like a lot how like the the music scene and especially like the rock music scene it has been for decades. I think it's starting to change in maybe the last 10 years or so. Uh-huh. But for like decades before that was very like a very unfriendly place for, for women in, uh-huh. gen- in general. Sure. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, there might be a, like a band or two a decade. You know, your Fleetwood Macs, your Jefferson Airplanes, uh-huh. you know, those types of acts. Heart. That heart uh you know maybe more recently like the yeah yeah yeahs uh-huh um who are, can kind of like break through and be have like women in rock music right kind of like break that mold but for the most part it, it has been like a pretty unfriendly place and like this type of advertising like 
I think if I was a woman and I see, you know, a in the case, I think Jackson, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Jackson Guitars, was using like a, a former porn star to like sell guitars. Oh, I'm sure. And maybe like some women are into that. Like it'd be like, oh, whatever. But I'm just trying to like imagine a world where like <laughs> I'm trying to imagine a world where Jackson Guitars or like Dean or some company like has like runs back to back ads in Guitar World magazine. And on the left hand page, you've got like Jennifer Lawrence or Kate Upton or some, you know, big ce- female celebrity that that a bunch of dudes are lusting over. That has nothing to do with music, uh-huh. but is a is a female celebrity that a lot of guys find attractive, holding a guitar, and then on the opposite page you've got like Robert Downey Jr. or Brad Pitt or George Clooney or something holding a guitar. Yeah. So you've got like here's the ad on the left for the men, and here's the ad on the right for the women. Right. Like that world doesn't exist. Yeah, and it shouldn't. It's we're talking about music here, selling musical instruments to musicians, not selling albums to music fans. Yeah, like because that's another thing. Because you know, if you're selling an album to your music fan, then you're presenting a certain image. Sure. We don't. We've talked about this so much. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it anymore. I'll just. I'll just throw this out super super fast. I think. Though I don't know if they have, if she is on board anymore. I think a brand like PRS gains a lot of cred with like the female rock community when they release when they release the Orianthi signature PRS guitar. Uh huh. Like where they say like, here's a female guitarist. Like we're gonna give her a signature model. Yeah. Same thing with like Fender. With the Fender had the the well, Bonnie rate for a long time. Music Man, have you seen their new guitar? The Saint Vincent. Yeah. And that thing looks interesting i I don't know if i love it or hate it i would play that but you know know i would play that yeah and and i actually watched a video of her playing that guitar and she blows me out of the room she's a wild guitarist man she's super good like she's she is kind of like a tom morello type yeah i'm not a big fan um of their music but of like the music i've heard her make but like she is really the stuff that i've heard where it's just her playing it's like focused on guitar playing. Like she's really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she kind of like the whole thing kind of rides in like this, uh, Bjork kind of territory, sure. like kind of like singy kind of, uh, you know, dramatic, but then like bizarre and experimental stuff. I'm not someone who listens to her stuff. I don't have like any of her albums, but I've heard her stuff. And every time I've heard it, I've been like, Whoa, this is wild. It's not for me, but it's wild, you know. Yeah, and it's you know super good too. But yeah, that guitar's great. This is a whole other topic that we're getting know, onto right? here. We're not even on um, the topic yet. Are you ready for the topic? No, let, let, let's just finish up this ad by saying, oh, yeah. if you want to see pictures of this girl's tube sock tits, then <laughs> go onto the Facebook group or our Instagram. We post. Uh, oh my god, we post pictures uh, same day that the episode was posted. Oh, you my can gosh. search for it that back through was our a history. Terrible transition. <laughs> Oh, that, that, that was painful. <laughs> Sorry for that, guys. Uh, some of you were laughing, oh. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for the opportunity to drop that. Oh. <laughs> this was called a, a callback. <laughs> oh. All right, let's get the topic. This was sent to us from... Uh, who sent this topic? 
I don't know, man. It was in the inner I don't even circle. Know what topic we're doing? The controls. Okay, so this topic was sent in by Adam Dolhanic. Uh, topics. Oh, he sent it into the inner circle where he is a member because he sends us ten dollars a month. You can be in the inner circle and uh, have us take your suggestions very seriously when uh, when you do that by sending us ten dollars a month through our crowdfunding on Podbean. Word up. Uh, so here is the topic. Guys, it's time to talk about the controls on the guitar, volume, tone, pickup selectors, etc. The thing that by the time you think to ask someone about it, you feel stupid for asking. By the way, I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, because Adam Dolhanic already knows all this stuff. He just wants to hear us tell everyone else, yeah, right? When you get in the inner circle, you basically inherit all of the, like, all of the knowledge that we have that we drop well, on there's a, a manual basis. We, yeah, we have it's, a manual that we, we send to you. It's, it's in a three-ring binder. It's, it's in a three-ring binder. It's like, uh, what do you say, like four inches thick, five inches thick? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just threw a pen at Ryan and yeah. in the lake. It's a big manual. It costs us about $40 to print each one. Yeah, we would put it in a PDF, but it would crash your computer. Yeah, it's too big. Uh, there's diagrams, there's charts, there's, you know, is, there's a blue book in there for values of all the guitars. That's where we get our information. Yeah, there's a graph. Uh, there's there, a picture of us where we say, look at this graph. There is a, uh, a rendition of the Karma Sutra starring me and Steve. Uh, <laughs> it, it is it is the full deal. Um <laughs> Yeah, that takes up at least twenty percent. Yeah, that's that's the first. Uh, Are, you're just the, trying to get Phil to join the the crowdfunding. <laughs> I'm going to get your ten dollars, Phil. I'm going to get you in that group, and you're going to be so disappointed that this isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, so what do we have to say about controls? Uh, I you know I totally get where he's coming from. Um, it is funny, like it's not you know I didn't take that question so much as controls, but more like things that you like stupid questions that you like things that seem so simple that you should have taken care of it over email or you should have just researched it. Sure. So it's like, you know, you're buying a guitar that you're not super familiar with. Like if I was going to go buy a Jaguar Uh or a Jaguar, depending on what side of the ocean you live on. Right. Or a Jaguar. If you don't know how to say Jaguar correctly. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, you know, if I was checking one of those out for the first time, like I would have to ask the seller, like, "Oh, like, can you explain the knobs and the switches to me?" Right. Because there's so many of them, I just don't really get it, and I totally recognize that that's something I could look up there. And so maybe I would feel yeah. dumb about it, but you know, that's what it is. There are certain guitars where the controls, if you don't understand what's going on, are completely perplexing. Yeah. Like you. Do not even understand. Like even simple things like, like kind of your standard Gibson Les Paul SG setup. I used to be super confused as to why, and maybe still am. When you turn down the volume on one pickup when you have them both selected, why it cuts both the pickups? Like right. that is confusing to me. Still, I don't understand electro- electronics enough to wrap my head around that. Uh, a Stratocaster, one of the most common guitars in the world, has kind of a perplexing, bizarre control layout where you don't have a tone knob for the bridge pickup when you really need a tone knob for that bridge pickup. And then all of a sudden you go to the 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 uh, the bridge and middle combined setting and now you have tool, tone control on your, on your bridge right. pickup. And 
what's another one? Uh, Jaguars and Jazzmasters. Like they seem to have two different, completely unique sets of controls. And guess what? They do. Yeah. Those are two sets of different controls, so you can switch between two different sounds, and those controls look completely different from each other. Yeah. Because you have your standard knobs and switches. And then you have these weird slider knobs and switches up on the top horn. And there's there's a bunch of other guitars that have this kind of bizarre thing going on. And it's I do not look down on anyone for asking questions about them. <laughs> well, you know, it goes it goes beyond like guitars. I we got we last week we did this big pedal shootout. Uh-huh. The memory lane has six knobs, yeah, three switches. I threw that thing on my board and started using it, and then I realized I probably should try to at least read a little bit of the manual. Uh-huh. So I tried to like quick read the manual, but this is like during rehearsal. <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to use this pedal, so it's like I'm not really asking questions, but I'm just completely outclassed by like the complexity yeah. of this thing. I still don't understand most of the knobs on the afterneath. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, there's six of them. They all do different things. It's on my... Did I give that back to you? Yeah. It's around, oh, yeah. It's right I up there. I gave it back to you for the Bellwether demo. Yeah. But I was using that for the most part, and like I'm still trying to figure it out because sometimes it like, self-oscillates, and I don't know how to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Yeah, it's it's crazy. But, you know, like different switches and stuff like that. And like If I see a guitar that's got more than two knobs per pickup, right. I'm like, wait what's going on here right. what does this mean yeah um and then there's all sorts of different variations don't, e- don't ever become a bass player i know i don't understand the knobs on jazz basses can you explain that real quick uh it's uh volume volume tone what's the third one tone a second tone yeah no there's three knobs volume volume tone oh volume oh i thought you stuttered on volume 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 and tone two volumes that's the classic okay two volumes bass. and a tone yeah okay that's interesting i guess it makes sense there's no switch yeah. so it's a master pickups. tone okay now what's screwy is with that yamaha bass i have it was originally um designed for a three band no a two band active pickups so you have a blend knob uh-huh. you have you have a blend between the two pickups you have master volume you have a treble knob and a bass knob uh-huh i the when i bought it the circuit was like gutted it was like missing parts there were only three knobs the treble circuit was there but i think the bass circuit was gone something like that uh-huh so I gutted it. I tried to put in another two-band EQ, but it wouldn't fit unless I routed the thing. So I just said, screw that. And I wired it up for like Les Paul-style wiring, uh-huh. but without a switch, which means that even if I roll the bridge pickup all the way off, both tone knobs will affect the neck pickup in different ways. Oh, my gosh. So it's volume, volume, tone, tone. And each tone knob is wired to to a specific pickup, but because there's no way to switch between them, they both affect the tone of the guitar. It, yeah, stuff like that is crazy to me. I, I honestly, like on a Les Paul style or SG style guitar, I would be just fine with two knobs, a volume and a tone. I never do different settings. You don't do the blending thing? You I don't, don't do the kill switch thing? That's the only thing I use those knobs for is doing the kill switch thing 
but I could replace two knobs with a single kill switch to achieve right. that. Yeah. So <laughs> my wife is trying to make me laugh from making lewd gestures in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife? Never. Yeah, never. Not her. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I. Do people blend like that? Yeah. Do they blend? Yeah. I even with like the jazz bass. Like I used to do that all the time. Where it's like, well, I don't want as much. I want to like get more of a punchy tone and like a little less brightness. So like I roll off the bridge. Uh, pick up a little and it changes the tone completely. Yeah. Or you want like more of a bright tone, but you still want to retain some of the low end, like some of the like the fat kind of like neck pick up low end. So you roll the neck off a little bit. Right. And it and it changes the way well, uh, can, those pickups interact. I guess I can understand that for bass, but I I guess I just very rarely combine pickups anyways. Like I usually well, like I, I tend to not use middle position on on like two pickup guitars very frequently anyway. Yeah. Um, so in that case, like I, I've never been a huge fan of the middle position on double humbucker guitars. Uh-huh. Maybe I just haven't found the right one. Yeah, maybe. I feel like switches are like the most straightforward control. Like, sure, you don't, you can't get too confused with switches because it's like this just makes one thing on and another thing off. Right. Like it's it's pretty straightforward. Knobs are where things get really screwy. There's a lot of different kinds of knobs. Uh, the common two variations are like you'll use a 250k pot on a single coil, and then it's common to use a 500k pot on right. a humbucker just because it doesn't bleed off uh, any high end with that higher output pickup. And then there's variations within that where you could have an audio taper or a linear taper. There's all sorts of different things people do to modify them. They, you know, to get a tone knob, you're putting a capacitor. Uh, onto just a regular pot to to uh dial back your tone right and people go crazy with capacitors yeah is it orange drop right it you know paper and oil did you get the emerson drop-in kit like yeah people do treble bleeds and stuff like that ceramic versus silver mica versus yeah poly whatever versus yeah there's all these options out there and it's no it's really confusing there's, you know, some of my favorite pots and guitars have been like cheap little miniature ones. Right. Just because I like the way they feel <laughs> and because they're easy to work with. They don't take up a lot of space in there. Right. But it's like, I just don't understand the design of these things. Because if I was designing a guitar, I maybe it's just the way electronics works. Yeah. I, you know, some of it. I can't, I, it, I can't wrap my head around it. it I'm not smart enough. It comes down to really like diving in and understanding like how the value of a capacitor changes um, the the frequency that your like tone control is rolling off. Right. Um, it's understanding like how uh, a resistor like helps bleed signal to ground, so that when you roll, um, like so this so this is a perfect example. So this the Squire. Uh, the Japanese Squire Stratocaster that I've been trying to sell for a while um, has a treble, the treble bleed mod done uh-huh. on the volume. So that is a resistor and a capacitor in uh, in parallel. And I don't understand exactly how the circuit works, but what it do- what that ends up doing is it's bleeding 
like it's it's uh, bleeding like low end to ground. So as you turn the knob, normally on a strat, like as soon as you turn the knob, like your highs disappear. Right. But in this case, because I I believe the way it works is because you're bleeding low end to ground. It the result is it sounds like you're retaining those highs. Okay. Like as you turn the volume down, you don't lose your high end, so your signal stays bright. Now a lot of com- people, a lot of people complain that it makes the signal too bright by the time you get it down to like three or four. Uh huh. Um, you know, but it's it's something that a lot of guys do, and it's something uh, it's something that I don't necessarily understand. But I think it's something that if you really like dive into circuits and like read literature and take notes and then do it, like it's not the most complicated thing in the world is just out of grasp because it's something that you really have to dive into and you can't learn that stuff casually. Sure. I almost never use tone knobs. Well, like that tone- doesn't help that that doesn't help your case either. No, tone knobs are like an emergency thing for me. Like, oh my gosh, it's way too bright. I got to save myself on stage. Right. Cuz I usually right. dial all that in on my board or on my amp. Sure. I found tone knobs useful for doing specific things. Um, we had a guy on our group whose name totally uh, escapes me right now. He's um, friends with Kenny Gregory. Uh-huh. Um, Carlos Santiago, I want to say his name is, who used um, some dirt box. I, again, don't remember which one it is. I, my memory's just like not there uh-huh. this week. But what he did is it was like a something that you would normally think of as like more of like a mid to high gain distortion pedal. Um, and he took his guitar and rolled the tone all the way off and basically got like a very muff-esque sound out of it. You know what? I've done this before. I did this back when my, my DS1 was stock. And what I would do is I would roll the tone all the way back and then I would roll the tone on the pedal all the way bright and it would give me a really fuzzy sound. Right. I'd say it wasn't muffish. I'd say it was closer to like a like a fuzz face kind of sound. Sure. But it was definitely a fuzz sound. So that's an interesting thing to do. I've thought about like getting a stock DS1 and building a tone knob into it to have that effect again right because it was a fun sound and i enjoyed it yeah there's a lot of things that like you just mentioned trying to do that with the ds1 like that's a pretty simple thing um you have to use like a mini pot or maybe even like a trim pot Eh, that could be tricky because there's not a lot of room in there you could probably build it into the foot enclosure like the battery enclosure oh right yeah 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 could maybe maybe but then you'd have to make sure you didn't step on it right well i the way i'm thinking about it, it was it would just always be set to its normal it's set to where i want it to be internally oh gotcha so it could oh, be yeah so you could just mount that anywhere as like a trim it wouldn't pot. even have to be a pot it could just be the capacitor yeah oh right well right okay so it could probably be easy to drop that in there sure um so so yeah so that's that's one thing that could work well you need a you need a resistor too I don't understand anyway, that stuff. Uh, not, not whatever. Like that, that's it's not. We're not going to get into that. I, sure. Pretty, you would need at least a resistor and a capacitor to make it work. Okay. But, um, but anyway, um, there's a lot of things like that that aren't like super complicated. Uh, I saw this article pop up again. That is from that was written by uh, Philippe from Caroline Guitar Co. Uh huh. And he wrote this article that was basically saying like instead of buying like four tube screamers and stacking them just buy like 
something that's higher gain and and use your volume knob to do different things. Yeah. And I think that's something that's definitely like a simple, like a stupid simple thing to do that a lot of guys forget. Like on your guitar, you've got a volume knob and a tone knob. And a lot of guys are using those very well. Yeah. And a lot of guys do the stack drive thing very effectively. Yeah. But I think there is like a level of like... I think people forget that you can use a volume on your guitar as a pre-gain. Yeah. Ba- back when I had that, uh, the Squire uh, Telecaster Custom 2, which is the dual P90 Telecaster, um, I would roll the tone off on that guitar because the bridge pickup was super bright but the bridge pickup was super bright the guitar itself was fairly high output and if you rolled the tone off down from like 10 down to like 7 or 8 because it was such a high output just by taming the highs you got a very like humbuckery sound because you right. didn't have the high end but you had that strong like mid punch that you would expect from like a PAF style guitar yeah and also, you guys want a little secret, you know, gold foils are a fancy thing that people are putting in their guitars now, and people really like the way they sound, and the reason they like the way they sound is because they're like 3.5K output. Yeah, very low output. Uh, you, could, you could take your volume knob, and you can get pretty close to simulating that with a normal pickup. Really? I've never tried it. Well, it's, it's, you're just dialing down your output. Right. right, but I think there's more. I think there's it's not going to be exact. Specific things it's with, not the, gonna, with the materials and the winding. It's and not going to be exact, but you're going to you can get similar output and have kind of like if you're willing to accept that lower output out of your guitar is the main component of that sound. Okay, then you can kind of get there. Sure, you can kind of get that vintagey like. I feel I feel low like gain sort I feel of like I need to get a, a a guitar that has a regular pickup and a gold foil in it now just to test. Well, I had steering. I had that Tele that Is had it, and were you able to kind of do that with it that? It wasn't a, it wasn't a gold foil, but it was a Tisco from that era. And yeah, you dialed you know the the I had the Tisco in the neck pickup and then I had a regular Tele bridge pickup. And if I dialed down the Tele bridge pickup, it would get in the same territory as the Tisco. Yeah. There's Even a, though, like, there's a discrepancy of, like, 4K between them, you yeah. know? There's definitely a lot of, like, stupid, simple guitar tricks and yeah. things that, like, you feel dumb asking because you should have thought of them ahead of time. Uh, we don't have time to cover them all. If you've got some that you want to let us know about, hit us up on yeah. Twitter at 60CycleHum. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash 60CycleHum. Uh-huh. Shoot us an email at 60CycleHumcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram, 60 Cycle Hum. Uh, send these us, are all the ways you can do it. Send us money through Podbean, uh, become a pledger. Yeah. And uh, at the $5 level, I probably put in an order for t-shirts this week. But at the $5 level, uh, you basically get any merch that we make as we make it. Yeah. So if the t-shirts are already made, uh, you're too late on that one. But you'll be lined up for the next merch that gets made. For sure. Uh, which could be anything. It could be more shirts. It could be pint glasses. It could be pick holders. It could be a uh, custom uh, 60 cycle hum timeline made by Strymon. Ooh, is that happening? Uh, if we are ever rich enough. Oh, <laughs> bummer. If we're ever rich enough, we'll have a custom one made with a, with a custom painted case with our faces on it. By then, uh, no one will want a timeline. There'll be a yeah. new Strymon pedal. Timeline too. Yeah, a big time. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. 
All right, guys. You want to tell them about yeah, the song? Yeah, talk about the song. This week's song was sent to us by Corey Lagrange. Uh, he's in a band called Father Rust. You can check them out at fatherrust.com. Um, and this song is called Abandon Illusion. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like this doomy post-metal thing. Um, I, I, I dig it. I, I understand like the sound they're going through for. I used to host bands like this all the time back when we were running the uh, the park gallery. Yeah. And I always loved doing it because they were the kind of guys who would play like this pretty like aggressive sounding music in terms of like the gain levels. Uh-huh. But they were always like the super nicest guys. Oh yeah, totally like, nice. Heart of gold. Like because they were kind of like on the arty side of metal. Yeah. Instead of the I'm so metal and you're so not metal. I've never met a doom metal guy that I wouldn't bring home to my mother. <laughs> So uh, I hope you guys enjoy the song. Again, it's called Abandon Illusion from uh, the band. It's called Father Rust. See you next week. Mm-hmm.